Uh, so how have you been throughout the uh, throughout the pandemic? It's man, everything's going crazy right now. The world's going nuts. Cities are burning down. Uh, <laughs> so how have you been? I mean, I've been fine. Um, I've I've been kind of training through it. I'll be honest. You know, I've been really careful not to be around people that are like, uh, you know, the most at risk. But you know, I haven't really let it slow me down. I'm I train every day. You know, twice a day We're around a bunch of guys. So. Yeah, you're right there in the heart of it all, too, aren't you? Right in uh, Florida, yeah. so uh, I mean, it'd be hard to avoid it and everything there. What's the uh, what's the protocol and everything going on there? Gyms are open now, too, and everything, right? Yeah, gyms are open. People are trying to social distance. Um, people are trying to kind of stick with like the same training partners, and uh, you know, we we all get tested like every once in a while. So if there's ever a problem or if there's a temperature that's too high, you don't train. So yeah, there there's a lot of precautions that are being taken right now. I want to talk a little bit about your your background because you did get into MMA a little bit late um, for, you know, where a lot of people are getting into it in their 15, 16, the start in mm-hmm. MMA. Uh, but you wrestled. You did a lot of wrestling. So you started yeah. in Alaska, is that correct, in like middle school and then uh, moved to uh, Florida for high school? Yeah, yeah. I was up there. I um, I wrestled in Alaska. Kind of, It was kind of more like backyard with cousins, you know, bar- barbecue survival wrestling. But um, – yeah, I moved to Florida and kind of got on a on a team there and uh, really went crazy with it. I wrestled um, five years Division One. Um, yeah, uh, that was kind of my whole life, and I just uh, couldn't stay away from this stuff. You know, like uh, it's kind of an addiction. It's like I'll probably do it until my body just can't do it anymore. You know, and then I'll find some other way to be involved. You know. <laughs> You've uh, you have some uh, some accolades behind your name: All American, state and conference championships. Of all those accolades, which is the one that you're proudest of, uh, athletic-wise? I'm sure there's some uh, that you've had, and, you know, while while working uh, in law yeah. enforcement. But uh, athletically, which uh, which accolade are you proudest of? Um, definitely the the All American. Um, that was an, a lot of guys were coming off of an Olympic redshirt year, so there was 12 returning All Americans in my weight class. So I mean, like it was the most stacked weight class of all time, and. Uh, you know, I got beat by the who would become the champion, like in like the second round. So I had to fight my way back through the contes and just beat a ton of really tough guys. And to become an All American, I had to beat a guy that I kind of like worshipped. You know, grew uh, you know watched this guy wrestle. He was number four in the country, and uh, I ended up pinning him. So th- probably that one. Plus, you know, just combined with like the Citadel, the military academy, yeah, and like how difficult that life was combined with wrestling. Um, yeah, so all together, definitely that one, athletically. So what was the uh, the work-school balance there at Citadel? I mean, high-end high, high end school, a lot, of, a lot of work, I'm sure. So what was it like uh, balancing all of that stuff? Um, brutal. So intentionally, they give you way more than you can possibly do in a day. You know what I mean? Um, so you've got to learn to prioritize, like, what's important to you. And, I mean – you just, it's, it's impossible. It's like impossible to succeed your first year. It's your knob year. It's like, you know, the whole thing is just hell. Um, balancing athletics, um, academics, military duties, keeping your uniform straight. I mean, you just have a billion things you're trying to do and not enough time to do it. So, man, it makes you tough. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> the, the one thing I find uh, with a lot of wrestlers, guys like Daniel Cormier, I spoke to Drakkar Close on this. Um, uh, Henry Cejudo as well is 
they find wrestling really uh, morphed them and helped them grow into men or or whoever they said that it really helped them how did how did wrestling help you not only um, athletically but also on the mental side of things yeah so wrestling's one of those sports where very few people walk into wrestling and just dominate people i mean it just doesn't happen you know wherever you start wrestling you're just getting your butt kicked oftentimes for two three years four years where you're just getting smashed and um wrestling kind of instills in you that uh it kind of validates that feeling of hard work does pay off and if i don't quit eventually i will kind of make my way up the totem pole and that that's just like the story of wrestling you know you start in middle school you work your way up you think you're a pretty pretty bad dude by the time you're in the eighth grade then you get to the high school and you're at the bottom of the pole again and then college and you're at the bottom again and then mma and you're at the bottom again <laughs> and it's just uh it just teaches you how to grow um, and I think that's like a learned skill that everyone that you have to learn. If your parents didn't teach you, wrestling will teach you. You know. <clears throat> what did, what advice would you give to parents? Because I know if I went to my mom when I was, you know, in, in high school or junior high even, and just said, "Hey, look, I want to wrestle," I know I'd get like the backhand of the side of the head, like <laughs> smarten up, <laughs> uh, play soccer, do something else. Um, what advice would you give to parents who are a little bit like hesitant to to throw their kids into uh, martial arts? Man, that's a tough one. You know, I, I, I hesitate to tell people how to parent, but <laughs> like for me, for example, you know, knowing knowing what it did to my character and my development as a man, I'm going to want my son um, to do it. I, am I going to force him to do it? Probably not. I mean, I don't want to be one of those dads, you know, on the side of the mat freaking out. Um, but whether it's wrestling or anything that's extremely difficult, I think adversity kind of creates diamonds. You know what I mean? If you have, if you meet people that don't, don't have to overcome adversity by the time they're an adult when they actually do hit adversity you know they don't know how to handle it you know people are mean to me you know i'm working hard but i'm not getting anywhere you know uh not used to defeat um someone else being better than you you have to learn how to cope with all those things it's just part of life in my opinion so if uh if you want your kid to learn those skills i mean wrestling is the perfect way to do it and it's safe it's not like you're getting struck you know you're not getting punched or kneed or kicked in the head or anything like that. I mean, it's way safer than football, in my opinion. So I don't know. I'd say if you're a parent, go for it. Just let them do it. If they're tough enough to stick in it, you got one one heck of a tough kid. <laughs> you spent uh, you spent some time in law enforcement after uh, after you were done with, with college. What sorts of things did you apply to, to your, your time in this in working that you uh, that you developed as a wrestler? Oh, like stuff from wrestling that I brought into law enforcement? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of those same tools. I think um, wrestling and martial arts in general kind of eliminates pride, I think. Um, a wrestler, a guy that's been doing martial arts a lot, you know, you, you're you not – I don't know. You know almost know how to stay cool in a bad situation, and you know how to kind of de-escalate things because you know what a fight's like. And uh, knowing what a fight like – is like is really helpful going into law enforcement as like a rookie, you know, um, because you, I almost feel like you come into it with a little bit of more of a humble stance. You know what I mean? You're not there to crack skulls and take names. You know, it's like um, you kind of have a better understanding of how the world works a little bit <laughs> because you've been beat up. <laughs> yeah. I remember my first time on the mat uh, did not go so well. I was like, I can handle my own. I watch UFC every weekend and, and uh, yeah, didn't, uh, didn't end well. Um, <laughs> Awesome. I usually don't like to to get involved when it comes to to like political discussions on here because everyone's yeah. got their their two cents and you know 
I say one thing, and the next thing you know, no one wants to join, jump on the podcast. But I get it. Uh, the uh, the one question I did have, uh, I mean, it's for uh, it's obviously something that's that's been talked about. What do you think uh, about having police having some sort of martial arts background, whether it be jujitsu or wrestling? almost have it being mandatory, you know, because I find a lot of people are trigger happy because there's a gun there. Whereas if you could de-escalate things using your martial arts, you know, I think there'd be a whole lot, uh, a, a lot of, a lot less deaths. Yeah. <laughs> um, as someone yeah. who's, who's been behind the gun, um, what, what's your thoughts on that? I, I don't see this question as very, it's not super political. Um, yeah. It's kind of just like, you know, it's kind of an, as matter of fact, truth, you know, um, when you're grappling, when you're a wrestler, a jiu-jitsu guy, sambo guy, you know what it feels like to like start to lose control of somebody else. You know, like me and you are in a grappling, you know, engagement, and I start to lose control of that. I know what that feels like, and I can react, I can adjust. Um, police officers that have never rolled jiu-jitsu, never wrestled or done anything like that, I think that, and what I've seen personally is kind of like a sense of panic that sets in. It's like the second that you can't you know, muscle this guy to the ground or the second that they start to escape a little bit. Um, it's almost, you can see the fear in their eyes. Like, it's like, Oh crap, you know, I'm about to get killed. And it's like, um, that's not always reality. It's, it's a confidence thing. I, to answer your question, I, I love that idea. I think that, um, law enforcement should definitely be required to do some sort of wrestling or jujitsu, probably jujitsu. Um, how you're going to implement it though. I had somebody ask me this before and it's like, that's the problem. You know, how do you train? How do you, who pays for it? You know, is that taxpayer money? Um, a lot of police officers are going to get injured in training. That's a lot of cops off the street, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, implementing it's the hard part. Do I believe that it should happen? Absolutely. Um, I can just personal experience. There's been plenty of times I didn't have to hurt somebody a lot because I was able to just out grapple them and control the situation really quickly with the skills that I learned in martial arts. So yeah, I agree with it. So then transitioning into MMA, I mean, you took some time off to, 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 to work and whatnot after university, what ultimately led you back into athletics into into competing? Ooh. Um, well, so I got involved in a, in a shooting when I was a police officer. It was the Charleston Nine shooting. Dylan Roof went into a church and um, killed a lot of people, um, nine people. And uh, I was one of the first officers on scene for that. Um, experienced some traumatic stuff inside of that building. I won't really go into depth about it, but ultimately I developed a panic attack disorder. Um, still struggle with it, still have massive anxiety. Um, it's something that it's like kind of my daily struggle that I have to kind of work through. Um, I tried to get back into law enforcement um, after that event happened. It, it really wasn't working. Um, by the time I got to like uh, the active shooter stuff, I was having panic attacks again, you know, in academy. So, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just, I realized that law enforcement wasn't going to be in the cards for me anymore. It wasn't going to be safe for me or, you know, the, the guys next to me. So, you know, it's one of those kind of, come to God moments, you know, I'm, you know, praying, asking myself, you know, what skills do I have? How can I continue in life? How can I, you know, do good with what I, you know, with the gifts that I have? And I, I came to the conclusion, you know, kind of through an epiphany that MMA was that answer. You know, I could, uh, through MMA, I would gain a platform to kind of continue to help the world and lead by example. 
I love it. Uh, I mean, I've, I've read about it. I've seen it before. I've heard you talk about it. Um, so I don't want to go into a whole lot of detail. It is out there to anybody who wants to look more into it. Um, obviously, the Dylan Roof thing was super sad. We've all heard about it. And uh, first things first, man, thank you for, for doing what you did. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you found a, kind of a way to, uh, to deal with it through MMA. Um, and then on to MMA, um, on to, a, I guess, a, last, a less sad note there. Uh, yeah. that you had a relatively busy 2019, so you picked up two pro wins, a couple amateur wins. How, do you, how did this pandemic slow you down? I mean, I feel like you had some momentum going there. Um, yeah. What was the plan coming into 2020, and how does this slow you down? Well, my plan was to, you know, get with ATT. This is my first year with um, American Top Team, Coconut Creek. I moved down here. Um, I have the best training partners in the world, man. I'm telling you, like everybody in this room is just an absolute killer. And uh, that felt really good. I felt everything coming together. Um, I felt like a complete fighter and I was looking forward to getting into some fights. Um, but, you know, once uh, COVID-19 hit, it was like fighters were backing out, promotions were backing out, you know, more and more restrictions from the state were coming in. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of halted everything. Um, I kind of had a choice to make. I was like, you know, I could quarantine in my house, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, get fat over the next who knows how long or, you know, you know, just kind of take my life into my own hands and just power through it. And I'm glad I made the choice that I did. You know, it's not over yet. You know, I could still get sick. I could still get hurt, you know, but um, I don't know, man. Life was life is meant to be lived, you know, and uh I'm, I'm kind of putting my trust in God and I'm just going to keep moving forward and uh, fights are coming back now. I've got two signed two two um, two guys that have their name on the contract. So, I, you know, it's all on God's time. And I think it's. Gonna yeah. So. Uh, so what was it like transitioning um, into MMA? Obviously, learning the stand up, uh, learning jujitsu. And what was it like jumping back on the mat for the first time in a period of time? Yeah. Um, jumping back on the mat was pretty easy because, you know, I was starting to have to learn jujitsu combined with my wrestling and I fell in love with jujitsu. So um, that wasn't that hard. It was just a matter of knocking off some rust. The striking, the way that I did it was I kind of did it by like trial by fire. I just got in there and just, you know, started discovering what worked, what didn't. Um, I had some really good initial coaches like uh, Alan Belcher out yep. in uh, ABMMA, Mike Sanford, um, Chase Sherman, you know, Brandon Davis. I had a bunch of killers out there. Um, helping me, you know, get started. And then by the time I got to Coconut Creek, Florida, I had enough of a base to where I could start sparring with these, you know, these big name guys. And then, you know, it's just one, once you get to Coconut Creek, Florida, once you get to ATT, as long as you're mentally tough enough to keep showing up every day, you're going to excel. You're going to get better. I mean, these guys have massive amounts of wisdom. And um, I mean, they just correct you a little bit here by here. So, I mean, if you got the heart, you, you almost can't be bad at American Top Team, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of brought my striking by miles and miles and miles. I look forward to showcasing it for sure. The the one question I do have, though, is when you when you surround yourselves with monsters, like I know when I went to jiu-jitsu for the first time, first couple times I rolled was with other newbies, I guess. And I was like, man, I'm great at this. <laughs> and then I was thrown in against someone who had been doing it for a while, and I was like, man, I have a lot to learn. So how does, like, training with a guy like Greg Hardy and, and these high-level guys, like, it almost seems like it would knock your confidence a little bit. Of course. I'm, uh, you know, back when we were talking about wrestling, how, like, you're kind of – you start at the bottom of the totem pole and you work your way up. 
it's the same thing. You know, it's just a, it's just a new challenge. Um, when you first, when I first went in there, of course I was intimidated and these guys are monsters and they, you know, they do beat you up. And, uh, but I mean, they've also build you up. Like you mentioned Greg Hardy. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my entire life. One of the first guys to talk to me when I got there and, uh, kind of instantly took me under his wing and, you know, I've just been developing under these guys and now I'm kind of a peer with these guys, you know, and, uh, helping them improve their like wrestling and jujitsu game. So it, it's cool, man. It, it's like, yeah, you start out as the punching bag, but I mean, then, then you kind of get honed and, you know, and then you become competitive and, uh, that's a really good feeling. That's, that's where the reward is, you know, but it, it takes time and you got to take your licks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you also, you're also going to have King Mo in your corner. Is that correct? Yeah. What's, what's it like having a guy like that? I mean, he's fought in so many weight classes, so many organizations. He's so experienced. I'd have to imagine that having someone like that really, really helps a long way. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, he's got tons of wisdom. He's a really cool guy. Um, one of the coolest guys I've ever met in my life. He really cares about MMA. Um, he, he knows, he, he recognizes how bad I want it. I mean, we've kind of connected on a personal level. Um, yeah, he's going to be cornering me. I, I, he's one of those guys that I think he'll probably be with me with the rest of my career. You know, for as long as I'm fighting, I'm sure King Mo will be there. Um, and yeah, I mean, just even on interviews, promo videos, just what to say, how to say it, how to present myself. I mean, he has just been invaluable to me. So yeah, no, I'm really thankful to have him around for sure. Do you think the empty arena, uh, having him there uh, in an empty arena without having to hear the crowds, do you think that's going to benefit you at all? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The The thing is most of the preparation happens before the fight. You know what I mean? You, you have to win the fight before you even step in there, if that makes sense. Um, if, if you show up to a fight and then look to win, you're probably going to lose. You know, you have to prepare. So I almost know everything that he's going <laughs> to tell me, you know, and uh, in, in between rounds, you know, he, he'll help me correct my game. That's really where the biggest help will be, you know, in between rounds. But I don't, I don't think it'll make much of a difference. You know, I'm, I'm confident. We're confident in our game plan. I'm going to go out there and execute it, you know, so. This next fight you have uh, coming up, it's against a guy named Prince, uh, if, I'm, if I'm not uh, not mistaken. Mm -hmm. He's the most experienced fighter you've ever fought. How does your yep. game plan uh, differ, um, knowing that you know he's seen it all? You can't just come in and bull rush him as you could someone else who's never seen it before. Right. Uh, how's, your game, how's your game plan uh, change? It doesn't. Um, and, you know, it, the thing is, I learned this from years of wrestling. It doesn't matter if he knows everything about me. Um, I'm still going to execute my game plan. I mean, if, if you look at the best in the world, they don't, they don't care if the other guy knows what they're doing. They go in there and they do it anyway. You know, every, everyone knows what Khabib's going to do. You know what I mean? In any given fight, you know, you can, you can make that bet all day long. Um, he knows what I'm going to do. Um, the problem is he's just not going to be able to stop it. You can't, you can't make up for, you know, 20 plus years of, what I've been doing, what I've been training, you know, and he's got more experience in the MMA game, but I've been competing a long time. I'm not intimidated. Um, yeah, records don't mean anything to me. You know, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get it done because I've earned it. I've worked for it. So you've got four finishes and four fights. Can we expect, what can we expect in your next time out? Another finish or is it just getting your hand raised? No, I, I don't like to do the, you know, the points, just getting my hand raised thing, you know, I'm in here to I'm in here to do something, you know. Um, my goal, my whole reason for fighting is kind of to spread the word of God, um, to show young people that you can be a bad dude, you can be tough, 
you can overcome horrible things, but you can still be a gentle, kind, honorable, righteous person. Um, and no one's going to pay attention if I'm just squeaking out decision wins. You know, I need to go out there and I need to, you know, knock him out, break his legs, snap his ribs, whatever I need to do so that people watch and, uh, yeah, and take note. All right, man. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Uh, I can't wait to watch this next one. Um, what is the ultimate last question? And I'll let you go. What is the no. ultimate goal with MMA? I mean, you've talked about spreading love. You've talked about spreading the word of God. Is that yeah. the ultimate goal or is the goal to reach a platform like the UFC or a Bellator to be able to spread that to a wider audience? Of course. Yeah. I mean, getting to the next, uh, you know, bigger promotions, that's definitely the goal. Cause I mean, more people watch, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, some people get confused. They're like, you know, how how does your like <laughs> your message of peace, hope, and love kind of match up with MMA and beating people up? Well, it's like um, the thing is, you know, we're two adults, we're two consenting adults, and it's it's a sport. It's n it's not a street fight. You know, there's not concrete. There's rules. There's a ref. So <clears throat> I don't know. Like, I guess that is also part of the message. Is like. Um, a certain amount of violence isn't always a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's part of our life. It's, it's how you use it that matters, you know? So, but yeah, I, I definitely want to get to a bigger, a bigger stage so I can knock out bigger guys, get more people watching and uh, keep, keep, you know, showing people how to do it, you know, through my example. All right. I love that, man. Great message to end on as well. Once again, man, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, looking forward to your next one and all the best. Hey, thanks a lot, buddy. Yeah, not a problem. Appreciate you. Bye.